Imagine you woke up this morning and your business just vanished. Welcome to Survival Mode, a podcast that explores how entrepreneurs handle hard decisions in times of crisis. I'm Matthias, and together with Digital Switzerland, we explore what it means to have a hard pivot, go through rapid scaling, or put your startup into hibernation mode. What do you do when 95% of your customers stop operating? In this episode of Survival Mode, Naomi McKinsey, co-founder of Kytro, explains how the hospitality sector got impacted during COVID-19, what to do when you plan a financing round in the middle of this crisis, and the importance of resource efficiency and sustainability on the way forward. Kytro is a Swiss startup that simplifies your food waste management. So welcome back to another episode of Survival Mode. Today I'm here with Naomi McKenzie. Since you're back in the office, I think we're, what is it, eight, eight weeks into Corona so far? So eight weeks or how long, how, how long is it? Yeah, it all just seems like a mix of time at this point. I, I think eight weeks is about right. Perfect. So eight weeks. So let's talk a little bit. I mean, how did it affect you? You're working food waste and hospitality. Um, one of the sectors I think was, was quite struck from, from the crisis. Yeah, so for us, I mean, the most obvious is that I would say 95% of our customers um, stopped operating, which means they can't measure food waste because they're not serving any food at this time. So everyone shut down. Um, the one property that continued was actually a um, retirement home. So shooting ourselves a bit in the foot or regretting that we didn't go more into hotel uh, hospitals and, and retirement homes before. So that was a good learning. but. Yeah, so all of our customers kind of stopped or put the contract on pause during this time period. Um, the other way we were impacted is that um, our scales are actually manufactured in Wuhan. So that was the first initial hit that we felt was after ordering um, a big batch order for this year. Uh, obviously, that all got delayed. So, so you were kind of the first ones who had a, a warning sign. Warning sign, yes, but as I think everyone, we, we kind of were waiting to, to see how it played out. But obviously, yeah, didn't expect the warning sign to be, yeah. I, I think no one did. It, it was for me the same. Until, until it got here, everyone was like, yeah, it's not going not gonna to happen. Uh, yeah, even to the day until it was like, okay, all the restaurants, hotels, everyone is closing. We were like, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. This is happening. So, yeah. so two things then. I mean, Wuhan is the one thing. I think production that is that is crazy. Is it is it back open now, or how does that work? Yeah, it's back open. Um, we are a fairly smaller um, customer for this manufacturing site, so obviously they have a lot of backlog and a lot of delay. So we'll slowly be back into production. So we actually just today, this morning, we got our first test scale of the new version. Oh, awesome! So so we hope they they ramp it up fast. The other one, the other one is is hospitality. So for them, I think it was one of the biggest impacts ever. Um, everyone went out of not out of business, but out of out of serving or out of operation overnight. How much did you feel of that? How how, how was it for you? Yeah, I think the hardest thing for us. Well, there's two different points to it. One is that um, we were about to sign some bigger contracts with bigger, um, especially hotel groups, and leading up to it, there was already some hesitation and then the moment they were shut down, it was kind of like, okay, we cannot make any big decision now or, or bring in any new technology right now. 
Um, so that was definitely the first one. The other one is that we had a financing round planned for the end of the year, and it's going to be the Series A. So in order to get the valuation that we were hoping for, we really had to hit these kind of KPIs and distraction metrics that now we have to really revert back on because it's not it's not possible to sell at the same quantity we were hoping for. At the same time, during it, there was first this initial like panic, chaos kind of mode. And as people started to say, okay, this is the reality, we have to deal with it and move forward in the best way possible. We've actually been able to sign deals during COVID as well. So, which was surprising to us, but people now see, okay, we have to see how can we be resource efficient? How can we save money? And how can we save time and energy of the staff once we do start operating? So we do see a huge potential now when things open back up again. Uh, that's interesting. So you, you have it for the two ways. It's not the first time I've experienced that. So the, the ones go to, into hibernation mode and the other ones get super active and, and super fast in decision-making. Yeah. Is it so? So the bigger contracts, do you think they will ramp up, or as soon as it slows down a little bit, do you get back to normal, or or how is how is that going to look like? Yeah, I mean, no one really knows what this industry is going to look like and how it's going to bounce back. We do see, or and also hope that sustainability will be a higher priority than it was in the past. People will start to look at other ways to differentiate themselves. Um, and we know that resource efficiency will be critical for the properties that have managed to survive to think about how can they work more cost effective and save the resources that they're currently throwing into the trash bin. So for us, we do see it as a big opportunity. How was it from a, from a prioritization? So you said some, some went really into a hibernation mode or couldn't take any, any big decisions. Um, was it on general? So how, how did they differentiate? So you said the, the ones got more active and the others didn't, didn't like put everything on hold. Yeah, I think for the bigger groups, uh, the international groups, uh, especially hotels, they are really feeling the impact. And because they're so distributed, they're really not sure how it's going to impact them. More local um, groups or local properties were able to say, okay, we know we're going to open up eventually. And when we open up, how are we going to be able to be better? And what can we do now? What can we implement now that when we do open up, we're operating at the most efficient level we can? So they use the time kind of as a, as a, how do you say that, to optimize their own value chain or optimize their own business. Yeah, exactly. Cool. So how, how is it going to, what, what did you guys do since, what happened during that time? Can you, can you give me some insights? Yeah, I mean, as I said before, the first bit was kind of like, yeah, it's not really going to impact us. I think that was a general consensus when it started in, in China. It was like, okay, well, it's, is it even going to get over to, to Switzerland, to Europe, and what can the impact be? Um, that was shortly followed by a bit of panic when everything shut down. Um, our first action point was to see how can we be more resource efficient and how can we communicate it properly to all the stakeholders. Um, a lot of the feedback that we got was cut all resources, even human, like all the talent, if that's, if that's what's needed. Um, and from our perspective, we looked at everything else before we cut people because yes, it is a high cost in Switzerland. At the same time, the cost of replacing one employee, especially at the stage we're at, is really, really high. And right now, I mean, in the future as well, but our team is really the core of Kytra and that's what drives it. So we have an amazing team that we've built up over the past three years. and. Even to cut one single person, it, it, in our head, it was never the, the action plan, no matter where we were during the COVID stage. So we looked at um, ordering less batches, 
cutting all costs, and then also reaching out to all third parties that we work with to see what kind of financial benefit or financial break they could give us. It's, a, it's interesting if you look at companies. So I think a lot of the Swiss companies I talk to, they always, like personnel was always the last step to take. And in the US, it's, it's quite fast. So they quite abrupt cut like half of their, their workload. Um, so quite noble. I, I think it's a good point. And I think it's, it's always hard to get to the right people. So I, I do agree on that one. When, what was the hardest decision you had to take on, on that whole journey? To be honest, we've gotten very, very, throughout the entire growth of Catch, we've been very lucky, but also during this stage, because even when we went into to lockdown, we still have a lot of tech that can be developed in the back end. Um, it kind of gave us time to slow down and reassess, okay, the marketing material, how can we start testing, A-B testing with the customers? How can we grow up the customer survey side so that it's all automated? And what can we do now that when we do start operating again, we're more efficient? Um, the biggest kind of struggle, I would say, is that we were planning the Series A at the end of the year, and uh, our metrics were, were much higher projected than they will be now. So making sure that we communicate properly why we're making these shifts and, and what we're going to do to kind of extend our runway so that when we do go for the round, we're at the stage that we want it to be. But I think that's going to be the hardest. We don't quite feel the repercussions yet because we've gotten a lot of financial support and we have been able to grow different aspects of the product. But I think when we go looking back into the um, environment for money, it's going to be it's going to be a challenge just because there's less money out there and because people are less willing to take the risk, maybe. But that's also nobody knows how this investment environment is also going to bounce back. How is your, how's your sentiment at the moment? So that was always one, one thing that were struck quite hard. So a lot of the investors or a lot of the startups, it is a lot hard. Like it changed completely in a way the landscape, how to invest and, and, and how willing the investors are on, on that side. How do you think it's going to play out or what, what are your sentiments there? Well, it, it's challenging, right? Because I mean, anyway, the investment environment has it's changed quite a bit when when we look at digital platforms and how they've kind of altered the way that people perceive investing in a startup. So when you have a digital platform, it's very quick from the moment you have the idea to the launch to getting traction. Whereas when you have a hardware product and then tech behind it, the growth stage is much longer before you can actually reach those metrics that you're looking at when you're looking comparing it to a digital platform. So anyway, there is a challenge in the investment environment. Um, I listened to the your podcast with Wingman. And I think that was interesting where he said that um, basically the startups that are resource efficient and who have who survive this are going to be stronger in the investment pool because you can show that you survive this stage. So we're really hoping for that, that we can show that we've taken all of our resources, we've allocated them sufficiently, and we're still being able to sell during this time. So we hope that that will play a role in the next round, but it's really hard to say. No, no, I think a good point because if you if you look at it, what happens and 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 I do agree with Pascal on that one. I think it's like a filter, and if you look at it after it, some will survive, some won't survive, and after this, the market is probably still a similar size, so you just have a bigger chunk of the market. Yeah, so, we hope so. so for the best. Yeah, and it I mean it's a it's a good story. I think it's different times for everyone, right? So it it depends a lot what you do out of it, and I'm quite. I think it's a good time to reassess your business and you, you use that perfectly. 
So if you look a little bit beyond or to the future, um, how do you how do you see this all play out? What what do you think are going to be will there be a fundamental change or how do you see the future beyond Corona? That is a loaded question. <laughs> we start with the easiest one. So choose choose, choose one aspect. No, I definitely, I definitely think there will be a change. I think it's going to be quick that people start to go back to normalcy and, and forget the the situation that we were part of. Um, I think especially in Switzerland, because yes, we were hit, but we weren't as hit as um, other countries. And our economy is very strong in giving support to to businesses and and really financially, you can survive if you, you know, there's loans, there's grants, there's stuff that you can you can take initiative to to ask for. Um, what we hope for is that we see before COVID, there was a, a growing push towards circular economy and sustainability. And I think this will become more and more apparent and driven after, after COVID. We see what kind of CO2 emissions we can have when we start to lock down and produce less and, and close down factories and what this can actually do to the environment and seeing the direct results of that. I think in the future, you'll have that more and more that people say, okay, actually we can do something and it's just about really allocating the resources to make the difference. So this is one big change that we hope to see out of it. Um, otherwise, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see which players survive this crisis and which ones don't. And I think What's been really interesting to watch throughout this whole thing is the different management styles, even if it's just on a country level, maybe, or even on a country level, to see how some people can take the same exact management style. But if your country is not adapt and not ready for this management style, then everything can crumble. So this, for, at least for me, has been super interesting to see how, how different countries, how different companies take different approaches or even similar approaches without actually assessing all the repercussions of it. Right, so true. I mean, especially in times of crisis, you realize what kind of leader you have and, and how could it adapts to your country. We don't, I don't want to blame anyone there, but I think some, some did a more favorable job and others did a less favorable job. And you've seen it quite good. It's, yeah, uh, absolutely. And I think that is something to be said about Switzerland. It's very impressive how, I mean, whether they did it the right way or not, who knows, but I think it's very impressive, the, especially from a startup perspective. I know that earlier startups had a really hard time during this if you didn't have any, we didn't have a lot of revenues last year. So the grant first there was kind of like, okay, this isn't gonna support us that much. But then InnoSwiss gives you huge support if you have a project ongoing um, with the coaching and then getting uh, Canton grants as well. I think they're really doing a good job to see how how can they support the best to keep innovation still active. And, in Switzerland. Well, I, th I think the interesting one will be the aftermath of it as well, since what you've seen in other crises, or I think financial crisis was a good one with, with a lot of Chinese people then pushing into the market and buying tech cheap. So that will be, I, I really hope we re-ramp the financing that not uh, a second scenario like that would happen. Because if you look at it, and that I think it's unfortunately true as well for the market, you have these massive tech giants with like limitless amount of cash. And for them, it's like hunting season right after. Yeah, I guess if you're looking for a financing round, it's not bad if you get <laughs> No, I'm kidding. But <laughs> I think it, it's, it's definitely true. We need to see also how, but yeah, that's again with the support to, to make sure everyone is strong enough to also continue operating without kind of lowering your, I don't know yeah. how to say, yeah, your influences. 
what I think was a super interesting um, topic you took up was sustainability and um, and how we could change it in the future. I think well, what was interesting this discussion was like a year ago, I think, where it was more about circular economy, how we destroy our our world, and that we have to cut back. And everyone said it's impossible. And now the the after the side, the good side effect of of COVID was that we basically showed that it could be possible. What what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think even even down to things like now in restaurants, you can't have a buffet or in hotels, you're not allowed to have a buffet for hygiene reasons. And this already just on food waste is going to have an enormous impact because, for instance, in Dubai, 50% of what they're putting onto the buffets is being thrown away. And so I think as a society, if you start to see, okay, you can now we start to, just to go to a restaurant now is going to be like, oh, this is an amazing experience. We don't need all of this, you know, this, this extra and this, you know, flamboyance of, of over consuming and we start to say, okay, actually we don't need that much to survive and to enjoy. It's really the little things that we need to focus on. And that way, if you can lower the, the consumption rate or just even the, the abundance in which we don't even consume, but that we show consumption, then we can really, really drive resource efficiency. And I think, yeah, people needed to see that maybe taking things a little bit slower moving at a more preserved rate can have a huge impact on the environment. I agree. I didn't know that one with the buffet, but it's a, it's a super interesting uh, topic. How, how do you see it now? So in, in Switzerland, we are right at that point where our restaurants are slowly opening and it kind of, it's not getting back to normal, but to some extent, how, what are your thoughts on that? How, how will that play out? Will people go out again? Like, do we get back to normal, like to a usual life or not? What, what is going to happen? Yeah, I would think that what's cool about restaurants is now um, during the lockdown, some properties that were not previously serving takeaway opened up as a takeaway outlet. And I think this is very interesting to see if they'll continue like that. And if not, at least knowing that they have the resources and the setup to do um, takeaway bags and, and so when food isn't completely finished on a plate that you can ask for a takeaway container to take the rest of it away and eat it at home. So this is something that wasn't always available, especially here in Zurich and all the restaurants. So now they at least have the resources for that, which is very cool. How do you see that extension of um, supply chain, but the value chain in a way, so more takeaway, more home delivery, um, besides the core business, how does it, that affect Kytro and, and you? Is, is it interesting for you to to work on that one or? I mean, for us, what's really interesting is also to, to compare now properties that we're measuring before and measuring after to see how much does it impact the, the food waste that is generated. I think um, we hope that it will obviously drive a reduction if you don't have as many buffets, if you have the opportunity to have a doggy bag or the takeaway. Um, all of these are, are practices that we actually encourage so that you can reduce your food waste. And I think people now will go to restaurants, at least for the next few months when it starts to reopen, with more kind of excitement and appreciation. It's not the norm anymore. So when you go, you really will. You'll go there and you'll consume the things on your plate. It's less of a day-to-day -day activity, but really an, an event that you're going to go and you're going to eat at a restaurant. You're going to take time to enjoy the food and, and eat everything on your plate. Cool. What is, maybe last question. What, what do you think? What is something you wish that we take out of this as as a population, as humanity as a whole? Yeah, I think we have 
grown with the, let me see how to put this best. We have a tendency to overindulge as a society. And we have this idea that everything is available all the time, especially with technology, bringing everything at your fingertips and having everything shut down for a while kind of slows down and makes you realize what's important, whether it's staying at home with your kids, um, having that opportunity to go once in a while to a restaurant and enjoy it with a group of friends. And I think just realizing that we don't need that much, actually, we don't need to always be consuming in order to enjoy and really going back to what is fundamentally valued and the most valuable thing, which is the family the relationships and the environment that we live in, that we can continue to live in. Wow. Um, I think I close with that. I couldn't have put it any better. Thank you so much. Thank you.